0: The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water,
1: and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willette a professional body piercer with 20 years experience. I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Recording in progress. Welcome back to the Piercing Wizard podcast episode, I think this is 237B. Two thirty-seven B. Take two uh, electric boogaloo because we recorded a whole podcast and it kind of su- it kind of sucked. So we're we're redoing it. So what yeah. are, what are your what are your Tell thoughts? Us how you feel?
0: Tell us how you really feel. No, well, it did like it some,
1: sometimes um, we sometimes we record because we know that we need to put a new episode out. And if we're just not in the right headspace or our energies don't align or whatever, it's just it feels forced and it just felt forced and we didn't we didn't like it.
0: Yeah, Um, sometimes we do kind of like do-overs or throw out old episodes and and do them again because sometimes I can be low energy, which is fine. Sometimes you can be low energy, which is fine. But when we're both low energy, it's like who would want to listen to that, you know? It's like like,
1: Eeyore talking to Eeyore.
0: Yeah, so um, I don't ever want um, it to come across like we're just both like not enjoying doing this because we both really do enjoy doing it but there are days that our schedules just don't align where we're like this isn't a fun conversation this isn't relaxing for anybody so we're gonna uh, do our best to try and we feel a bit better in alignment today I think to have a better conversation. I I
1: think there was a common theme of like what we're gonna be talking about are the the different international conferences we did and a few other things but I think The running highlight was we were just complaining about different cities. Um, (laughs) So this episode, we're going to focus on the joy of actually being able to hang out with our friends and how lucky we are that we have a community like this that gets to come together and have fun and hang out.
0: Yeah. The joy, which is abundant. So
1: yes, yes. So um, but before we uh, talk about joy, we want to talk about work. We, we, um, We have a new webinar that we're going to be doing, um, Sunday, November 12th, 2023. And we're going to be doing it uh, online over Zoom. Um, My subject will be uh, navel piercing variations. And that's the class that I wrote for... The the first time I ever performed it was at uh, UKAPP last year. And I think it went really well. I focused a lot on floating navels and what distinguishes them from more of a forward-facing navel. Uh, I I see a lot of piercers these days doing navels and kind of saying that, hey, this is a floating navel, this is a floating navel, but it's not really a floating navel, and the anatomy didn't really call for it. So I'm going to be talking a lot about the difference between the person's natural anatomy and then what piercing would probably be most complementary, what jewelry, what marking, all the different techniques that go along with it. Uh, I performed it this year at BMXNet in like a very large auditorium and it felt awesome. And I, I got to refine it from, from last year. And now I want to present that online for the people who didn't have an opportunity to, to come to BMX net this year. Um, so that's, that will be my portion of it. And what's your portion? Cause you worked super hard on it.
0: I did. My, uh, class is called size matters and it's kind of a, a mishmash of a few different ideas and theories that go into initial jewellery selection. So partly talking about size and gauge, but also focusing heavily on design, you know, what end pieces are, are going to be suitable for initial piercings and what things aren't and what kind of experimentation and, and product integration really goes into that because, um, as we've seen in the last five years, the amount of jewellery that's available globally has completely exploded in terms of access that 10, 15 years ago we would only dreamed of, which is amazing. But with that sudden rapid explosion of options, I think that there has been a little bit of a gap in terms of application, you know, safe application and experimentation with what works and what doesn't. So. Um, I wrote this class kind of hoping that it would fill in the gaps for a few people, um, both for newer piercers, but also for piercers who have been piercing for 20 plus years, but have maybe only used like plain jewelry, like plain titanium beads, and are now moving into more um, ornamental and creative designs. So um, I did the class at UKPP this year. It was a new class. I wrote it for UKPP. And um, I think that it went really well. It's subject matter that I'm very interested in. And um, I think that it could help some people with their success rates in piercing. And also uh, another portion of the class is limiting breakages as well, which is something that I think benefits piercers all over, really. Um, So uh, hopefully we'll see you there learning about uh, sizing issues and about navels as well.
1: I really liked your class because I I think that it's been a a more common conversation when people are like, you shouldn't take a really fancy, nice, expensive, whatever front piece and put it on a low quality backing. But that's one conversation that that needs to happen. But another conversation that needs to happen is you can't take um, a a larger or more heavy uh, end piece and stick it on a tiny little backing and expect everything to go great. So you talk a lot about balancing issues and like the the skills that go into determining what's the appropriate size and style of backing and not just like a generic formula of every helix piercing needs this and every nostril piercing needs this
0: yeah I'm, I'm a little bit I guess old-fashioned in the respect that I think certain parts of our job can't be like oversimplified to a basic formula of like, this is how you should be doing this, because the work that we do is so varied. Um, Something I've said before is that we're, throughout our careers, we're repeatedly humbled with how various and different the human body is and the anatomy types that we get to work on are so broad that generalizations can be helpful, but we can't downplay how much of a skill it is that we have when it comes to assessing size and style. Like it's a real learned acquired skill that we spend years developing and i feel like sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit for that and it's almost kind of like oh well, um, i give
1: myself loads of credit
0: yeah <laughs> with, with with that and with lots of things um but no the this this idea that it's just ai don't know not not something that we give ourselves any credit for kind yeah. of bugs me because day in day out uh clients come into our studios and we can look at them and if we're, we're good at our jobs, we can look at them and within seconds make all of these anatomical assessments that your average member of the general public isn't going to be able to do. And that's a real skill. Like it's a real acquired skill over time. And I just think that that's cool. And I don't know, like I don't want to reduce that down to to nothing. I think it's important. So um, I really wanted to write the class that I wrote. It took A long time because I had a really something that I really struggle with is creating visual interpretations of the things that I'm trying to say sometimes and when you have a practical class like when I did the bridge class or when I did the PA class you can include loads of anatomy images and technique images and things whereas with with it being size theory it was harder to convey what I was thinking in my head um in a presentation. And I think I, I managed it okay. But already after having done the class once, I'd still like to make a couple of tweaks and revisions in preparation for the November class. But I, I revise classes almost every time I do them to just make them a little bit sharper. So um I'm very, very proud of it, but it could be better still.
1: Okay. Well, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And I watched you put six months or more of work into it so i I think it'll be great but if people want more info
0: most of that's just because i'm bad at doing stuff on my laptop (laughs) well but
1: but it comes out fine whatever your process is like i i have lots of piercer friends who have done classes and um some of them i've gotten to to see their process uh people like jeff and people like sala and people like becky dill and seeing how they write a class and how their mind works to write a class and then seeing the finished version of it and how it can help people. Like there are so many different ways that people can pierce successfully. And there are so many different ways that people can present piercing information successfully. And like, we've both seen bad classes. We've both seen good classes and we've seen a bunch of stuff in the middle. Um, And I think your classes are always really good because you put so much time and effort into making sure that somebody can understand what you're explaining. I, 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 I've been falling back on like a ton of pictures and video lately, because I think that it's um I'm just so comfortable now with that whole narration style of like, look at this picture. Let me explain what's going on in this picture. Here's how you, how you do a successful thing. And now watch me do a video of the thing. Like that's, that's <laughs> kind of the style that I feel most comfortable with lately. So with my Naval class, people are also going to get a little online folder of videos of different navel piercings, floating navel and forward facing navel and all that stuff. So you'll get some nice bonuses, but if you want more info um, or if you want to sign up, you can just go to RyanPBA.com and it's right on my education page. You can check out the Google form on there. You can sign up. Um, It is 100 American dollars and that's for both classes. And each class is somewhere around an hour to an hour and a half each. uh, And that'll include some time for, for Q and a so Sunday, November 12th. We'll be doing that. Um, I will be in Glasgow. So we'll be together while we're performing it, which is always nice. But uh, yeah, we would we would love to see you there. So other places where we saw people taking classes, teaching classes was nice at. B- Thank you. <laughs> uh, was at BMXnet in in Germany. And it was in Berlin this year, as opposed to Essen, where it's been um, kind of like the the signature venue for BMX for the last several years was Unperfect House. And now it's at uh, a new venue yeah. in, in Berlin. And I I really liked the venue. I thought um, it was a good kind of like a little hermit crab shell to to step mm-hmm. into. I, I think that there's yeah. a lot more space for people to hang out, um, to, to be social, maybe not in the same way as Unperfect House, but I really like the social aspects. I really like the classes. I really like just the the overall conference environment. So talk about some of the highlights for you, you know, for, for Berlin, for the venue, for the conference. Like, what did you like about it?
0: Well, Berlin is excellent for public transport. So when I mean I obviously enjoyed more than the public transport when I went yeah. to a conference. But what I was going to say was when I arrived there, I naively thought, oh, it'll be dead easy. You know, I'll just, it's probably just a tram or a train away. Cause I've been to Berlin a few times before and I didn't research anything about where I was going or about where the where I was staying or about where the venue was. Um, because I just was like, I'll figure it out when I get there. And i was traveling alone and you were already there and i think when i was making my flight connection you sent me a message and you were like by the way it takes an hour and a half to get from the airport to the place and you have to take all of these different things and i think you got an uber and i don't have uber like i don't uber and then um, i was like oh fuck. what am i gonna do and then when i arrived it was like so easy to get there like it did take yeah. the time i did have to do the steps but like the, the transport is so regular and there are so many routes you can take that it's you never have that thing where you have to stop for 45 minutes and wait for a bus, like nothing like that. And if something is late, it's late by like a minute and that's it. Yeah. So um I would say if you're a nervous traveler or if you're somebody who's not used to traveling internationally, it's very, very easy.
1: Like, it might seem like like if paper, you're not but, like
0: mm-hmm.
1: if you're not an Uber person, like with me, I am like a posh little princess at this point. Like (laughs) if there's Uber available, I'm just going to take Uber. I know it costs more, but like I have to travel with so much baggage when I, when I do these conference trips, like I basically have to keep an entire workshop full of materials. Like I bring my own materials because like, as opposed to Vegas, like the APP conference, they have, they pay for storage for the whole year in Las Vegas so tons of stuff that's used for the APP conference lives in Las Vegas in a storage space for the for the whole year. These smaller conferences, um, they don't have that. So like, if you can't um, ask somebody to bring stuff for you, like a lot of these conferences, they'll provide some stuff like massage tables, like larger things, uh, different example stuff. But For the smaller stuff, like for my scarification class and the workshops and all that, like I have to pack it all and bring it all in a suitcase and I'm just going to take an Uber. I'm I'm almost set with public transport if I'm lugging around like two or three giant bags.
0: So um, I would say if you're traveling there for the first time and you're worried about it, it don't be. It looks way worse on on paper, like when you're looking at the instructions, but actually it was super easy. Um, The venue itself... As Ryan was saying, it feels very self-contained and very kind of like separate from the outside world in a really nice way. Like you step into this little private, you know, like exist like BMX Netland. And it was weird because I've only ever been to BMX Net in Unperfect House in Essen. So before going, I was saying to you, like Is it gonna be the same? Is it gonna be different? Like how much of BMXNet is, because to me it was on Perfect House, like the venue was an intrinsic part of the experience. And sure enough, moving it to Berlin, it was still BMXNet, still had the same energy, it still had the same vibe. And it makes you wonder like, what is that? Like, what is that thing? Because a lot of the instructors, they're instructors that do multiple conferences. A lot of the attendees, they're attendees that we see at various conferences internationally, and it's a new venue but yet it was still BMX net. And it's like, I just think it's so cool that like the energy of it can be transported. Like, isn't that weird?
1: Yeah. I I think it's all about the individual communities. Um, There's a, there's a thing about the European piercers, the European body mod community, where I think that that's kind of the, like the BME spirit is still very much alive in those communities. It's like, we're, we're doing this for passion and experimentation is part of it. Self-expression is part of it. Like, they're not doing it because of, like, the itty-bitty bling aspect of it. Like, plenty of shops in Europe offer that as a service and they offer it really well. But I think that the conferences there are very much still that BME vibe of, like, we're just here to hang out and share information. And it's not really, like, it's not a pissing contest and it's not... um it's not quite as clicky. It's just so you can sit down next to anybody. And I think part of it is part of it is the conference. Part of it is the way that they, they have like communal meals. I think that that's a really fun and unique part of BMX net is there's a lunch break and and food is provided for everybody. So you just kind of sit down cafeteria style and you can just plop down next to a total stranger and just have a great conversation about where they're mm-hmm. from or what classes they were taking or whatever. And it's just, um, it's really special because everybody at BMXNet uh, wants to just hang out and talk to everybody else at BMXNet.
0: So in terms of favorite things, um, for my favorite thing from BMXNet this year, it's, it's hard to pick one thing. I really liked the food this year. I thought the the people in charge of catering did an amazing job. So I just want to say like they did such an amazing job of like keeping the food I thought the quality was good and they were constantly keeping it rolling, keeping everyone fed and also keeping the place in- incredibly clean as well. And yeah. like there was constant water, constant drinks, because it was also very hot. So I just I think that like the hospitality element of it was amazing. Yeah. Um, and I also really liked the the garden space, the little green kind of mm. um, space where people could hang out. You know, I thought that that was that was really cool. What about you? What were your kind of favorite things from BMXNet this year?
1: I like that we got to meet a dog. I like that one day <laughs> there was just randomly a bloodhound.
0: I was going to say that, but then I didn't say that. But no, the truth is I was most excited that there was a bloodhound because I Ew. loved him. What was the dog's name again? I think they said it was Waylon. If it Waylon. wasn't Waylon, it was something that yeah. sounded like Waylon. No, no,
1: it was Waylon. Yeah. Um, um, and I just, yeah, I, I like the whole like, boo. Um, but that was really nice.
0: I, I,
1: I've never been a suspension person. I've never had a suspension or a pull or anything like that, but I'm still always just like in awe of watching it done. And especially in Europe, because, um, like watching Chandler do his bondage rigging class um, mm-hmm. is always just amazing, just the, the flow and his, his like performance aspect and artistry of it. I always love that. And I've never wanted to really suspend, but if I ever did, I think I would have to do it at BMX net just because I, I I have seen people work there and I trust them just so explicitly. And, um, I, I hold them in really high regard watching Charlene, uh, uh, just like cl- climb up the, the, like the rigging like a spider um and like watching everybody like working and um watching people like go up and and have their moments and and all that that was really cool uh i like teaching you know i liked all the classes that's the only place where i teach a scarification class i really enjoyed doing that it was a little bit chaotic but that's BMX net BMX net will always be a little bit chaotic i think and that's that's part of the fun so um i really like that i did a, another class with kevin jump and we got to work on the same model from last year shari okay. and uh it was just it was a really great experience i, I like that i like doing the naval class in the the giant room i got to feel like uh i don't know i was doing like a, a big fancy ted talk or something like that Like
0: you should have been hooked up to like a harness and be flying around the room yeah.
1: i unlocked like- the power of the pyramid
0: yeah exactly yeah, I um, liked the poke tattoo class we took with right. Matt. That was very, yeah. very good. Yeah, um, the history class as well was really, yeah. really
1: good. Mariana's history class that was really cool. I um, it's not that I dislike seeing so many history classes from Paul King because he always does such an amazing job, but it's one person's perspective of history. So I just love seeing the alternative ones like um yeah. like when matt lauder does a class mariana does a class uh when other people do classes especially from like a, a specific region or like some hyper small little niche kind of kind of corner of uh the great big like wide world of body modification you i love jason's it and i'm fascinated by it you? sorry
0: did you see jason's class
1: yeah i'm gonna leave that part for uh poland because i didn't get to see okay. it in germany I think Germany. Okay. It was like while while we were doing something else.
0: Um, so um, after BMXnet, uh, I flew home, and you went onward to Poland for the. Actually,
1: I went to I went to Brussels first. I went to Brussels with Jeff because um, Jeff said that he was coming over for BMXnet, and I'm pretty sure that was his first time. And then I asked, like, "Well, are you?" are you sticking around to do UK APP? Because they were two weeks apart this year. And whereas normally, like more recently, they've been one week apart. So a lot of people, they go to one, they do whatever for a few days in between and then they go and do the other. But this was two weeks apart. So there was a lot more time to do whatever. And um, Jeff said, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. So I I reached out to the Poland conference and I was like, hey, just so you know, Jeff's going to be around in Europe. Maybe you can invite him if you think that he would be a good fit. Uh, they did. And since like him and I were going to be in Germany and then him and I were going to be in Poland. Um, I asked what he was doing in between and he wanted to go to, to Brussels to go to some fancy brewery called a uh, Cantillion. I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about fancy beers, but Jeff was psyched to go. And, uh, his, and his enthusiasm kind of carried over to me. So I went with him, had a really nice time there for like a day or two. And then we went on to Poland and, um, I didn't really have much of an expectation because I I had never been to Poland before. I had honestly, I hadn't heard of the city yet, Gdansk, uh, or Dansk, I I don't know how to pronounce it well, but uh, Gdansk, and like the city was amazing. The airport, the travel again was really easy. Um, Ubers are are very inexpensive. Uh, They also had public transportation and it was a beautiful city. They had like an old town, reminded me of kind of a cross between parts of the Netherlands mixed with parts of Germany and like a lot of really cool stuff. And, uh, the, the conference space was incredible. If, if you get the opportunity to go next year, I would love for you to to see it because it's very heavily influenced by BMX net. You can tell that because a lot of the people like, you know, Wojciech, um would always go to BMX net and he was one of the organizers and, uh, Betty, the the other organizer and the, their entire volunteer staff did like an amazing job in an amazing venue. I got to teach some stuff, uh, some open technique stuff with Jeff. I got to teach safe practices in the piercing room, which I always love doing. And um, yeah, I got to take Jason's class. Jason D'Souza from from India. Um, if people haven't already listened to his podcast episode, go back and listen to it because it's fascinating. But he also mentions that oh, hey, I would like to write a class about the the body mod history of India. And he did. And I got to see him perform it in Poland, which was incredible.
0: So what were some of the, the aspects of the Polish conference that you felt kind of stood out to you? Like, were there any particular high notes? I know you were very excited about your hotel room.
1: Yeah, it was, it was such <laughs> a cool... Okay, so Jeff was also excited because the hotel was literally called the Craft Beer Hotel. So like they had this fancy brewery and Jeff was psyched for that, but the, the rooms were really nice. Um, the venue was pretty close. We it, it was only a five or 10 minute walk to the, the venue. Um, the venue had a lot of really cool tech stuff. I was super impressed by the organization of it, but also all the different tech elements with like, The screens and the casting and the cameras and all that, everybody had a perfect view of everything because they had screens kind of off to the side and towards the rear so that if people weren't right up front, they could still get a really good view. Um, They had a nice vendor space. It was a a small vendor space, but it was a good vendor space. I I think that their conference is going to start growing pretty quickly. I could easily see that becoming a destination event for a lot of people around Europe in the way that BMXNet has become a a destination event. but it, it was it was great. I, I really like it. Uh, I was really proud to see how much work they put in because uh, I've done like an online class for them before. Um, this, this time, I was really happy to actually be there in person and, and be more of a part of it.
0: So after Poland, you came back to Glasgow, and we spent a couple of days preparing for for Manchester for UKPP. Yeah. And something I wanted to mention before we get into Manchester is that. Sometimes, you know, you get a lot of FOMO when it comes to conference stuff, when there's a conference sure. that you're at and you wish you were there. I just want to mention that it is unrealistic to do all of them. Like that's incredibly unrealistic and unsustainable. And one of the yeah. reasons that you do so, you do more than me, for sure. You do twice as many conferences as me and I do you know, the few that I do with you each year because we're instructing. So because we're instructing and also because we're dating. So like just being honest, it does give us uh, an event that we would both like to go to that gives us an opportunity to spend time together because, you know, we're both um like running our own studios. We don't get a huge amount of time to go on holiday or take time off. So it, it kind of like, you know, fits as something that we can do that's a work-related thing, but also something that gives us time to spend together. So I feel like our situation is quite unique in that sense. And there really only are a few people um, and a few instructors that kind of travel and do every conference, and it's a huge amount of work. So I kind of just want to mention that when conference season comes around, and there are more conferences than ever scattered around the full calendar year now, um it's completely unreasonable that you would think that you would go to every one some people don't even go to one a year they go to one every second year or every third year and right. uh, and lots of people use their their much needed holiday time from work to do stuff other than work so i just kind of wanted to mention for people that do get a lot of fear of missing out that you know you can you can go next year or you can go to a different conference or if you can't go to one you can do some like there's so much more available now mm-hmm. um that I just don't want people thinking, oh, I have to do everything and I have to go to to everything because you'll exhaust yourself. Like by the time you and I got home at the end of September, start of October, like we were completely shattered, like emotionally, physically, mentally, like very, very shattered. So I just kind of wanted to mention that I don't, I don't want us to suggest that it's realistic that you would do all of this stuff. I mean, even just from a financial standpoint, it's very difficult. So just keep yeah, in mind yeah. to be, be realistic about that stuff.
1: Yeah, I I I kind of want to talk about this a little bit through the lens of these conferences are really destinations now. In I, I think that the APP conference in Vegas is kind of the the champ of destination conferences they put on an amazing week-long conference with loads of classes a huge vendor space all kinds of events and it's because they've been doing it for decades at at this point so they've really got the formula worked out i know that some people find that it's a little repetitive with it being in las vegas uh just like in the way where people might have thought that it was repetitive to have bmx at unperfect house for so long to have uk app in manchester for so long but the boards, the organizers, the people who were in charge of these events, like they they want it to be as accessible and as affordable as possible. So that means a central location that people can fly into relatively easily, get to the venue, have like options for hotels, have options for food and not have to spend tons and tons of money. So as expensive as you might think that some of these events are, they'd be way more expensive if they were in a different city every year. Like... APP kind of has to be in Vegas. I know the board did a lot of work to determine what city would be the the best as far as money and access and blah, blah, blah. Um, and with a lot of these things, like, yeah, it's it's totally unrealistic to think that you can go to all of them or to think that you should go to all of them. Like, pick one. You know, if that's if that's a, a realistic goal for you, pick one. If it's a realistic goal for you, maybe try two. Um, if you want to go to a conference in the U.S., uh, APP in Vegas, my first and and, and really only suggestion. Um, but if you want to go to something outside of the U.S., especially if you don't live in the the host country, they all have their their benefits. They all have their differences. They all have their different communities and and what's available at the conferences. So. Uh, Take a look at them and and maybe get out there and experience the the wider world of piercing. Like we see more American faces at all these conferences year by year, and it shows like how good these conferences are that they're they're destination events. It's not just people that are in town or an hour away. Like people are flying into these events, and it's totally worth it. Like you absolutely get your money's worth with with any of these like top level conferences.
0: So moving on to UKPP in manchester well before Uh, we do
1: i just want to say how nice it was to actually spend a few days with you like in in glasgow because it was i i know that like we post on instagram and it's like hey we're doing all these amazing fancy things and we're so amazing and fancy and blah 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 but like it is a crushing amount of work and like i was away from home for three weeks to to do this and uh there were there were points where i was away from you also like on this trip And I just felt like it was it was tough. Like there was a a mental toll to it. It was very hard. It was a lot of work, a lot of like homesickness. But also like if there's the fear of missing out in like the hey, I want to be at that conference like I was watching my staff members back home like have to deal with stuff like that's when Square had that outage like Mm -hmm. that nationwide outage was while I was in Germany and I was just trying to support them like over the phone and it was just so tough to not be there, to be part of the team. Um, So it was really nice to have a few days in the middle of the trip where we were just together in Glasgow, being romantic and going to dinner and and doing stuff like that.
0: Yeah, because when we were in Germany, we had a wonderful time together and with other people that were there. But, you know, we were up early um, and, uh, and at the event all day and then heading back to the hotel and just getting back to the hotel and just crashing out basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you're up again the next day and you're going again. So there was, there isn't really, I mean, it's amazing, but it's also relentless. You kind of have to give it all of your energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was also really grateful for us to just have a couple of days to just be like Ryan and Lola. Um, but that was really nice. Yeah.
1: Uh, we also record not to, <laughs> not to like sneak in another plug, But we also recorded a narrated piercing video of you talking about your bridge methods. So you can look forward to that coming soon to patreon.com slash Ryan PBA. Lola has a a lovely uh, video about bridge piercings coming out soon. Yeah. So after that, back to work. We went to the UK APP conference in Manchester. And I think one of my favorite parts about that conference was actually the journey there because we we take a train
0: along the way.
1: The friends we made along the way. (laughs) The real conference was the friends we made along the way.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Um, Last year we we took the train and it was just the two of us, so we kind of had to deal with, uh, you know, other people on a train, which is like always a roll of the dice in the UK. But this time it was you and I and your staff members, and we got to have a really fun journey.
0: We did, and um, we learned a card game. My friend is brought well we like well i thought we had a had fun with it once once we had an, it was a long train journey so um there was a long introductory period to the game but uh that was fun and a weird you know in a weird coincidence the the woman in the carriage who was taking care of the the travelers um which is a really weird I, I can't think of what that that job is but the woman who was taking care of that carriage the
1: hospitality person i guess
0: yeah not not the ticket person hospitality person that's it um was an eritrean woman with facial scarification um who was really really lovely and like was kind enough to talk to us a little bit about the scarification on her face which was just it was it was just such an interesting encounter and she was such a lovely person i like i didn't want to 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 pry about it. Um, I didn't certainly didn't ask her for a picture or anything like that. I think yeah. that would be so rude when someone's working. But um, you know, I I inquired about the the marks, and she was just really happy to tell us about them and yeah. the history about them and the cultural significance in Eritrea. And it was just like a super interesting random conversation on the way yeah. to a, a body art conference. And she was just really lovely.
1: I like how it was just like like it was, I mean, it's obviously just like part of her life because there are marks on her face. But we were asking because we were so fascinated by it. She was like, oh yeah, everybody from my my town has this. Like these yeah, these same awesome. marks.
0: Um and then she gave us beer and crisps.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, uh it was one of my favorite train journeys, especially uh, you know, work, work travel related. But um Jordan and Becca from your shop were there. And we got to play that card game for a couple hours, and I thought it was really nice. Um, again, with it being in Manchester, the the host hotel is a really nice hotel, but that means that it's not a cheap hotel. But luckily, around Manchester, there you can't throw a rock without hitting a hotel. Believe me, I've tried. Um, mm-hmm. And like, there were a lot of really good hotel options. I thought we got a fantastic hotel. Just dumb luck that was like a block away from the the host venue um it was a good deal on hotels.com so i i grabbed it but like i didn't realize how cool the hotel would be it was like a dog friendly hotel they were cool like you know there was like jenga games set up in the lobby and um that, that ended up being the hotel that that jeff and brian skelly were also staying at so we got to we got to hang out with them a little bit outside of the conference space
0: and it was dog friendly so there were dogs sometimes yeah
1: I got Mm -hmm. to see a lot of nice dogs on this trip. We got to pet a lot of nice dogs on this trip.
0: I think that we should just make a side side, um, social media profile where we just post pictures of dogs that we see while we go and do things.
1: You know, we would just ruin it though. Like we would get, we would make it way too elaborate or, you know, (laughs) we'd be like, oh yeah, sign up for my new (laughs) Patreon.com slash Lola and dogs. Uh, Uh
0: so apart from the friends you made on the way on the journey um conference this year at ukpp was the biggest that they've done before and by some margin yeah um been years before where because i remember when it was in birmingham i didn't go to the first conference i think i went first in 2016 yes i know you went to the first one right i went to the first one um I think the first one I went to was in 2016. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but Yeah, we taught that a class in, together. That was in Birmingham. Um, and uh, so the last several have been in Manchester. And there have been years previous where they've uh, added on one extra room. But this time it was a whole extra floor. Yeah. And, and every- it was a whole
1: floor that was used for like vendor space. And it was right. so impressive.
0: So not only do you have the whole extra floor for vendor space, which was full, more vendors than there have ever been before. Um, it also meant that the old vendor space was now a classroom space. So then you have the capacity for six to nine extra classes. Mm-hmm. So there was also more classes than they've had before um, and more attendees, more ticket sales. So it, it really was bigger than it's been before. Um, I think that the the board should be incredibly proud of themselves. I think we're all incredibly proud of them um, in the UK community for the work that they put in and for what they pulled off and how yeah. I, I think it felt very effortless and smooth. Everything about the organization, nothing seems chaotic or stressful. So um, I think they should be really proud of, the, of what they did. Um, you know, sustainable growth is hard. Um, and I think that they've been handling that with a lot of skill and grace. Um, and it was a, it was a different experience for me because I got to go with, well, I went primarily with you cause you're my date. Um, but I got to go with my apprentice and the other resident piercer in my studio as well. So um, it was, it was a, a a nice experience and a different experience getting to go With like the Forest brand, if you like, and I I wouldn't call it a brand, but like the Forest under the Forest banner with more than just me was was nice.
1: What was it? Forest Young team?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that that was a nice experience. I think one of the things that I was looking forward to was my apprentice going to his first conference and how that's always a really like amazing time for a piercer. Suddenly getting to meet people other than me and other than Becca, like a whole and not just one or two other people like when Jordan's met you and other piercers, but meeting like over a hundred other piercers from all different parts of the UK and the world. Like, you know, I think that's always something that's really special, like that first big conference event.
1: For for piercers, whatever point they are in their career, to just be reminded that they're not the center of the piercing universe. They're just part of it. And I, I think it can be humbling in a lot of ways. I think it can be really re-energizing and really refreshing. Um, going to these conferences like takes, takes me out of my humdrum and inspires me to go home to my studio and to try out the new things that I learned in classes or learn from talking to somebody or getting new jewelry. Like I got a bunch of jewelry at, at the vendor space. You got a bunch of, you got awesome jewelry. BVLA was there for the first time um can of steel was there for the first time who who else was the first time was buddha I there think, last year
0: i don't think oh buddha was there last year but i don't think Leroy has been before
1: right right Leroy, and it was like you know tammy and terry it, it, it wasn't like they just kind of staffed it out like they they were there like the people who make the stuff that are in charge of the company they were there you know meeting people and talking about their stuff Um, Industrial Strength LLC was there showing off their needles, like a lot of really great vendors.
0: Yeah. So it was it was really nice to see um, that the community has put in the work because it's it's a symbiotic thing and it's kind of like a mutual appreciation thing, I think, between suppliers and vendors and piercers as the community grows. But I think the UK community has had to put in a power of work to be recognized internationally as a more valuable market and a place that it's worth investing time when for a long time it wasn't really. So I think that, you know, those things go hand in hand with each other. So it's kind of like a chicken and an egg scenario in a way. But I I do think that it's like. It is something to be proud of that people have put in that much work over a sustained period of time that you can fill a space like that. Because I don't that I mean it wouldn't have been possible in previous years. So right. I thought that was great. Um another high note for me was uh getting to to go with my other piercer, Becca. Mm-hmm. Um I say my other piercer, she works she works with me, not for me. And um, she, I actually met her last year at conference. She came up and said hi and introduced herself. And um, we didn't really talk very much more than that, other than to like meet each other and make introductions and things. But um, since then, you know, a few months later, I hired her and she's been doing great work in the studio. And since then, she's also gained UKPP membership as well. So I thought it was just like a really nice moment for her to recognize her achievements mm. in terms of like the personal growth, the professional, the professional growth that she's been through in that time period as well. So like I definitely felt really proud of her and really proud of Jordan as well, because conferences, because they often just come around once a year, they are kind of like you know anniversaries or points to remark on what the last year has been like for you so it was nice for me to be able to like think not just of the work that I've done but like of the work that they had done as well
1: like that's just another thing it's like I I always want to remind you to stop and look at the path behind you because like you've grown so much and as you've been growing you've been sharing the opportunities like uh, I'm so proud of you but we can both admit that you're not a millionaire yet Um, but like, rather than trying to keep all the money for yourself and, you know, buy yourself more, more Godzilla toys, um, you've staffed out the shop and I'm really proud of you for, for sharing those opportunities and and sharing that space with other people, Jordan and Becca, and, um, kind of nurturing that community in, in Glasgow. So it's, it's great to see it. It was great to see them get exposed to more information and more instructors. It was nice to, to watch them. Um, fan out over meeting other piercers you know like meeting jeff and meeting brian skelly and stuff like that and i also fan out on them still uh so i, yeah. I get it but it was just cool it was really cool I, I liked it
0: one of the things that i said to to jordan was that he had to go to some of brian uh, brian's classes uh-huh. because they were so impactful to me when I went and took them for the first time. Like the first time I went and took them, I'd been piercing for six years or so at that point. And it was kind of like, okay, you know, I'll go to this class. And it just completely blew my mind in terms of the very fundamental things that I did every day.
1: It's almost like a rite of passage for piercers to get their brain melted by a Brian Skelly class.
0: Yeah. So even though a lot of the the subject matter is stuff that like Jordan should know and stuff that we have gone over it's different hearing it from somebody else that can articulate it differently to me and that just that change in perspective can make the information suddenly make a lot more sense so um, I was really excited for for him to get to go to those classes in particular Um, but yeah it was it was a very positive experience what were some of the the high points for you this year?
1: Well Lola I'd like to talk to you about some of the high points, but my pizza just got here.
0: Okay. What did Hold you get on. on your pizza?
1: Hold on. I'm a coming. I, I would I would like to be able to just focus on podcasts, but I'm going to have to eat a slice or two. So I, I I've been at the shop all day stripping and polishing the floors with Lily. And I worked on it for about six hours and then just immediately came home. And then we started recording this podcast. So I haven't eaten since breakfast. So whilst we talk, I'm going to eat a little bit of pizza and I will I will definitely edit it out of the episode so you don't have to hear me chomping. But my favorite stuff from UKAPP, uh, I, I really like that I got to teach in the big room. I know that it's like lame and egotistical for me to talk about some of that stuff like that, but I'm I'm at a place in my life where it's like, why can't I be proud of the things that that I've achieved? And part of it is that I get to teach in the big rooms now. Um, For years, I taught in the small rooms and I got to watch people like, you know, like Brian Skelly and and others teach in the big room. And then this year I got to teach in the big room at BMXNet and I got to teach in the big room at UKAPP and it was really cool. Um, I would also like to just like circle back to the, the praise and be like, it's great that the conferences have grown to this point because I was at the first UKAPP conference thing and it was in the basement of a pub. Uh, I've been to tiny little conferences and, and watched them grow. And the UK APP is there. And I'm, I'm so proud of that community to see all the work that's been put in. I think that that was my favorite part of UK APP is just seeing the growth. Um, mm-hmm. The vendor space and all that and more people. And, and all, like, yes, it's all amazing. But like, I just want to point out like how hard the volunteers, the people that put these events on. um, mm-hmm for BMXNet, for Poland, for UKAPP. Like they're put on by volunteers who are not making money off of putting on these conferences. They're nonprofit events uh, and they should be really proud of the the work they've put in. Um, I also want to maybe circle back a little bit too to just also say that BMX had a really good vendor space. Um, lots of vendors there. So like if you're one of those piercers where you're thinking, would I like to maybe come to one of these conferences next year, but which one do I choose? What would you maybe want to kind of like say to someone who's not from Germany or Poland or the UK, and you know what's maybe your your pitch for for going to one over the other?
0: Well, I didn't I didn't go to Poland, so I I couldn't really say. But having been to BMXnet a few times and UKPP a few times, I think that they do fulfill slightly different needs. Um, It's difficult because I don't want to say a positive thing about one and imply that it's a negative with the other because that's not the case at all. But I feel like um, UKPP has done a huge amount of work to be um, kind of academically credible in terms of a learning resource and um, getting in speakers from not just the UK homegrown talent, but international speakers. And I think they put quite a lot of work into the curriculum for like apprentices. And there's more now for members of staff that aren't piercing um, and, uh, and just technique classes as well. So I think that if you're primarily wanting to go um, solely for educational purposes, and the, the vendor space as well was fantastic this last year. I've bought more jewelry than I have ever bought at a conference vendor space ever in my entire career. That's how good the opportunities were for making purchases. Um, whereas with BMXNet, I would say if you're interested in things like hands-on skills, like the, the rope suspension or learning about uh, tattooing as well they have classes on tattooing um they also have performances and performance art taking place um, they have suspension taking place which you can um you can go and do you can go and get that arranged I don't I don't think that you have to um do very much prior planning I think they do take um a- appointments or bookings at the event so I think that if you are, looking for a more you know it's it's hard to say what it is but a more practical experience um that's not purely academic and it's a bit more community based bmx net might be the right experience for you in that sense that there's a little bit more practical activities you can do
1: i'll i'll agree uh, i i want to make it clear though that like bmx also has fantastic classes but i think yeah. that they give it's more of an open open access kind of thing like they welcome classes taught by anybody about any subject and that can be good and bad in lots of different ways like it's great because it gives people an opportunity to maybe share information that's not getting shared loud enough or in front of a large enough audience so it's great sometimes that'll mean that it's maybe a newer instructor and they have to kind of work out some of the kinks and, and practice a little bit more and but um it's a great environment And it's so supportive of people of every experience level, no matter where you're from, no matter who you are, you're going to be welcome there. You're going to make a lot of friends there. You're going to learn a lot of information there, but you're also going to have like an experience. Like BMX has a really unique experience where, as you said, suspension, but also like tattoo classes, piercing classes, scarification classes classes about suturing and tongue splitting and implants and all kinds of stuff. That's just not talked about uh, like widely and openly in the U S and in lots of other areas. Um, The opportunity to like learn some of that stuff, hands-on the opportunity to like, that's one of the few conferences where live piercing is performed in a lot of the piercing classes. So that can be a big draw for people. Uh, The vendor space there's performances at night. There's all different kinds of communal aspects UK APP, it's in the hotel it's in, it wouldn't lend itself to the same kind of communal atmosphere. Like once the classes are over, it's not really the the hotel for like everybody hang out in the lobby until two in the morning. So there are more yeah. like satellite social events. You know, they had a really cool um, uh, event towards the end of the conference. That was like closing party, but then, you know, in an adjacent space, they, uh, they also had that firewalking, Um, Mm -hmm. from uh, Juniper as the sponsor, we did firewalking, you know, with your staff. And that, that seemed like it was a really cool um, experience for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. So I think that um, the UKPP has done a good job of listening because like year after year, people do complain, oh, there's not a social space Oh, the bar in the hotel is really expensive. And it's like you say, there are pros and cons to any venue, and there are so many pros in the current venue in terms of it being an area that people can get to easily, it meeting the criteria for everything that they need. Sometimes you just can't tick every box. So um, that's the point. And I think it was Juniper, and that's the point in conjunction with each other, um, said, you know, we, we like to put on this fire walk. They did. It was amazing. It was really, really good. Um And that was a really fun community activity, even for people that went just to observe and not take part. They still got to be involved. So there wasn't that sense of like excluding people that weren't doing the firewalk, like observers still got to go and everything. So I feel like that's an example of how like they are really trying to look at it from all different factors. And at BMXNet, they have lots of activities, lots of events that are more engaging. But as you say, they also have really great academic classes um, that are really educational as well. So I feel like, you know, that's why I was saying I don't I don't want to say that one is really good at one thing like the other isn't. I just feel like they do each have their own vibe. Um, and both of the the organizers of both of the conferences really seem to do everything in their power to make it a positive experience for everyone that's attending and they do listen to feedback as well so I I think that both of the conferences went amazingly this year and you went to Poland as well and said that that was great I think
1: Poland kind of fits right in the middle um, timeline wise but also the sense of the conference like there was a social aspect of it but again the venue wasn't really Built for social stuff, so it was like at the end of the day when classes were over, some people hung around, but some people took off. Um, there was a really cool dinner, it was like a lot of the volunteers and a lot of the instructors all went out for a massive dinner in like a traditional Polish restaurant just before the conference started. That was fantastic. Got to eat all kinds of food that I can't pronounce and just hang out with people. It was in the old town area, so you know, if you've tried. BMX already, if you've tried UKAPP already and you want to try something different, I think the Poland conference would be absolutely amazing for you. Professional Piercers Poland. Uh, You can follow them on social media. You can follow all three of the organizations on social media. BMXnet has an Instagram page and a Facebook page now. UKAPP has their social outreach uh, through the Safe Piercing UK uh, Instagram page. Professional Piercers Poland has uh, an Instagram also. And they've they've all got their own special vibe. So, if it's easier for you to get to one, if it's closer, if you can take a train versus taking a plane or or just drive or whatever's whatever works for you, think about what kind of conference experience you want and and pick one of these conferences because they'll they'll really change your career. You'll meet a lot of people, um, and they were they were all really special. And I just want to I, I want to just mention it one more time. Jason's class on the Bodhmat history of India was so good. And he taught it at all three of those conferences. So he went in a single year, he went from um, us meeting him at BMXnet in Essen and him just kind of attending him, go him traveling from India to Germany just for the educational opportunity being seen as like an instant, like you should be applying for a scholarship, man, like having that conversation with him, watching him uh, apply and get, a scholarship to go to the APP conference in Las Vegas, being a volunteer and being a really good volunteer. And then uh, him going on to write this class and he performed it at BMX net. And then he performed it at Poland. He was originally planning on just attending UK APP, but they had one class drop out and they invited him to, to fill the space with his class because they had heard the feedback on it. And um, that's kind of like, that's the magic of these events is you can go from, feeling like you're just part of the crowd or that you're gonna sit at the back of the room forever for the rest of your career. But then like once you start interacting with other people and sharing what you know and them sharing what they know, uh, it can change lives and it can change careers. And I I just love all these conferences.
0: Well, I mean, a good example of that is Becca. I mean, we met at last year's conference. This year we went together as colleagues. You and I, we met first at a conference and this is years before we were dating but we did, we met at an international conference. So, and and it's the same with my apprentice, Jordan. There'll be people that he'll have met at conference this year that 10 years from now, they'll probably still talk, you know? And there's not a lot of situations in, in life where connections like that happen. But that's, that's the funny thing about it is at the time they don't always seem that significant or that special or that important. And it's not really till you get years after the event that you think like, yeah, like that really changed a significant part of my life. And I just didn't realize it at the time. So um it, it is definitely worth getting yourself to one of these events. But like I say, don't don't put the financial and physical and mental pressure on yourself of trying to do all of them because I I get knackered with it. Ryan does twice as much as me, and he gets completely knackered with it. And it's it's like we're again only doing that because of a very specific set of circumstances. Um, were it not for those circumstances, yeah, I might go to to one thing a year. Um, and that would be more than enough. And if you want to take the year off and just go and lie on a beach somewhere with your precious holiday time and resources, like that's completely fine. So, you know, less of the less of the FOMO. Ryan's still eating pizza. So it's the Lola Slider podcast what,
1: now. But I've been muting it so you don't have to hear me chomping
0: is 2151 in the pm
1: not Coming, not oh, here 21. it's 452
0: 2152 now so okay. um to kind of like round off our conversation this evening before we get off of the podcast and just start being super cute to each other yeah what to um, date you yeah uh one of the things that we kind of wanted to talk about was how You're a business owner and I am for better or for worse also a business owner. And um, we've both had issues lately with our premises um, needing maintenance work that's been difficult and in some cases unexpected. And in some cases something that, you know, like I had an issue come up that I wasn't prepared for and didn't know how to handle. And um, that shit can be really overwhelming. And as we get into winter, things like power cuts, things like floods, things like accidental damage, storms, you know, all of that stuff becomes and you know, the pipes bursting with ice, these things become more prevalent. And like, I just wanted to like take a second to acknowledge that that, that shit's fucking hard to deal with. Um, and just talk a little bit about how what that process is like for us and how we try and handle some of those things.
1: My goal, having my business, like if I can make some money. Great. But my goal is that I want to make my clients happy and I want to make sure that my staff feels appreciated and taken care of. And a big part of that is I don't want them to have to deal with the worst parts of the business existing. Like that's my job as the owner. Like I'm the one that like for better or worse, uh, the, my, my whole life is that business. And sometimes that means like we had an amazing month. Maybe I can do some extra, you know, bonus holiday uh, vacation time for the staff. Maybe I can afford something nice for myself, or you know, whatever uh, savings or blah blah blah. But on the bad months, it's still like, okay, I got to make sure that the staff gets paid. I got to make sure that the staff gets time off. I got to make sure that the staff feels appreciated. And if there's any extra pressure. All that should go on me. Um, And like, there's just been a lot of extra pressure for you and for me and for a lot of other people too. I I hear it from just about everybody. Um, There's this thing that's just crushing me or there's that thing that's just crushing me. And I've had plenty of stuff crushing me lately. And I know that you have too. And we're still keeping our businesses open. We're still taking care of our clients. We're still taking care of our teams Um, but I think it would probably be wise advice that both of us try to start taking as good a care of ourselves and each other as we do of all these other people. And it's just so hard because like we put all of our energy into taking care of other people and then there's just really nothing left for ourselves. And we have to kind of like jab each other with a sharp stick to be like, hey, hey, you know, eat something, drink something, rest, take a day off, take a, take an hour off. But, um, you know, you're you're doing great. And I just want to say that I admire you and you're doing great.
0: Thank you. I don't I don't think that that's accurate, but I appreciate you. Um, I feel like there have been numerous. I mean, there have been numerous instances where I've called you in a panic just to be like, you're not going to fucking believe what's happened now. <laughs> you know, like there have been so many of those instances. And it's like, I don't like being the person that has the bad news so it'd be really helpful if shit just stopped fucking happening to me um like that would, that would be ideal but it's like it 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 does because it you know it eats into our time together um but there's also some only so much that you can compartmentalize so I kind of just wanted to mention how like um it's definitely difficult like sometimes people ask me questions on the internet like oh you know how do you deal with this or how do you deal with that and I feel kind of like a fraud cuz I'm like terribly I deal with it terribly <laughs> like I'm not doing better than anybody else um I had a, I had an incident at work recently that completely it was one of those things where you just walk in and it's disaster it's just complete disaster And your brain is scrambling with, like, what do I do in this situation? You know, nobody was hurt or anything like that. So the first thing I always think is, like, there are so many ways in which this could be worse. Um, But I I just had to kind of spring into action, deal with a bunch of shit, do as much as I possibly could. Then I sat on the floor and called Ryan crying. So sometimes I just kind of feel like... um, it's important to acknowledge the ugly stuff and the bad stuff when I'm posting fucking cute hair pictures on the internet, looking like I have it all figured out. Like there are so many, so many times that things have just come crashing down. And I wonder like, how can my tiny business that sole purpose is making tiny holes in people with tiny pieces of jewelry? How can there be so many colossal disasters that feel like they happen, you know? And I think part of it is just, getting some distance from these things, trying to think of ways in which the scenario could have objectively been worse and what you can do in that moment and what you can control and what you can't. And um, it's difficult. It it is difficult. So I kind of just wanted to mention that even, I mean, you're what, 58 years into running your business and there are still times that you run into, you know, it's like you go into work and a door just hits you in the face with stress. And you suddenly have to spring into action and deal with a whole load of stuff, like the square situation, um, where it, it's unpre- it's pretty much unprecedented. And you suddenly have to use every bit of your brain that's usually asleep and, and try and come up with a solution to what's happening. And, and sometimes you can't. And that's that's really sucky and really difficult. Um, so I kind of just wanted to. To talk about that process a little bit so people don't feel like they're alone in handling things badly like i handle stress badly a whole
1: lot (laughs) the hell you say
0: yes i know i hide it well but actually i'm in a lot of distress sometimes well
1: that's okay and i i think that it is important for us to share a perspective on that because i think that a lot of people tend to just like be like i'm so successful and everything's going so great and blah 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 And they're saying it because they're proud of what they're doing, but then other people might see it and be like, shit, I'm nowhere near that. I feel like I'm just terrible. It's okay because we are all terrible. Like I'm definitely terrible at it. I've had all kinds of problems and issues and whatever. Uh, Today, just like, just while I was waxing the floor, my internet completely just shut off for two hours at the shop. And it's like great because we were closed because we were doing floor maintenance. But what if that had been just a work day? Because like we have to run all of our transactions through an an app and like, you know, music and email and and everything. It's like just stuff like that. The little things that you take for granted every day that you take for granted, like when Mm -hmm. they're gone or like when you just walk into your shop and it's like, oh, my God, it's like something is flooding. Um, Can I tell you the worst, the worst thing that ever happened in my shop that was like a complete surprise. Yeah. So my building that I'm in was put up in 1859. We've done a ton of work to it to make it what it is today, like tons of work to it. But where the new plumbing in the building meets the old plumbing in the street, uh sometimes there could be backages, like, you know, backups and stuff. And now we know how to prevent it and, you know, preventative maintenance and all that stuff blah blah blah. But when we first moved into the building, we had to learn that lesson the hard way and the way that we learned it is number 1 if you don't have one of those signs up on the wall that's like please don't flush menstrual products like you know pads and tampons please don't flush those down the toilet i know that you have one in your building cuz like everything in the uk was put up in like 1295 i have one on my wall now but i didn't at the time people were flushing all kinds of like heavy stuff and it was backing up the line and then it literally exploded a backup of sewage into my basement. Like it was like a geyser of like bodily waste into mm-hmm. my basement. And nobody 30%. noticed it until I went down into the basement to to get something, I forget what, and just saw like a lake of filth, like the worst of the worst that you could imagine. You know, and then I just had to deal with it. I had to deal with it. And um, like the things that you learn when you own a business are not things that you planned it plan to learn when you started it's just you have to learn how to deal with leaks and crises and like problem after problem and whatever and it's like that's just part of running a business and like okay. if you try to pretend like it's not there and that everything is golden and great and perfect like you're not really helping the other people who might one day run a business like you need to tell them that it's like it's it's hard work it's hard work yeah. but it's
0: rewarding like, I think that's a good example. If there's an issue you're facing at work, just remember it's not a lake of human shit, you know? So like, it could it could be worse. Um, I think getting distance and, and keeping moving is important. Like, okay, if I can't fix this, what can I do to limit this problem? And what are all of the different aspects of that that I can deal with? And what's something else productive that I can be doing right now? And most importantly, just don't give up, just don't give up, refuse to give up. Like that's, I think the most important skill you have to have as someone who is self-employed or a small business owner is you cannot give up. Um, even when things feel really, really bad, you have to find a way to keep moving forward. And I always, I often think about some advice I got from one of my parents when I was a teenager. And um it was like I was having just a really, really bad time. I was just, you know, probably a typical unhappy teenager. But I was having a really bad time. And one of my parents said to me, listen, I know that you're feeling bad right now. But what you have to remember is that you can always, always feel worse. And at the time, I was like, what the fuck kind of advice is that? Like, I, like, this is the worst I could possibly feel. How dare you imply that things could feel worse? But yet they did get worse. Um, <laughs> so, like... But the point is that it's like, you have to get distance from the event, you have to sleep, you have to eat, you have to keep yourself functioning and moving forward, because the more distance you get from the event, the more your your responses start to be able to kick in, where you can start to deal with the crisis, but you have to keep going, and you can't give up. So you know, remember, you can always feel worse, even if you feel dreadful right. <laughs> now. Even if you feel dreadful right now, this, this isn't is the bad
1: worst bad. PSA ever. <laughs> Don't worry; know, like, it can always get worse.
0: I, but no, I always remembered that advice because it sounded so so awful at the time, and I didn't get to fully appreciate it, you know, until like later in life. But I think it's those little things that that stick in your head. And okay. sure enough, when I was dealing with my situation at work, I was like. Well, this you know, this could have made it worse. That could have made it worse. At least I can do this. At least I can do that, and just keep moving forward. Right. Like so, yeah. I I think that that's positive. You know, i is. And also, I'm
1: gonna like, I'm gonna put a pin in this conversation yeah. now because we're just gonna go off on a whole tangent. But like, yeah, yes, running a business is tough, but it's rewarding. And for whatever reason, we just keep fucking doing it. So, um, I also want to just tell people that I. Empty box, smashed an entire pizza while we were recording this podcast.
0: So turned on right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one, one other thing I would like to remind you is that on Sunday, November 12th, Lola and myself will be offering our next webinar. I'll be talking about uh, navel piercing variations, forward-facing navels, floating navels. I've got a bonus video folder for you. Lola is going to be talking about um, why jewelry sizing is so important. And some different uh, different things that you can learn that, that give you the tools to think about the back. And not just like that cool front piece that looks awesome in, in, a, in a photo, but like what goes into making it heel good. And a lot of that is the backing that, that your jewelry is on, the size of it, the shape of it, the style of it. Um, you can get more information and you can get signed up at ryanpba.com. You can also just email me at ryanpba at gmail.com. And you can also check out Body Art Education by Ryan Willette on Facebook. And you can sign up in any one of those various avenues. I would like to thank you uh, for being extra cute. And I like the sound of your voice and the the way that your eyebrows look. Thank you for listening to uh, episode 237, take two. I think it was a, a, a bit more positive than the last one. Oh, it, and
0: was. it was. Yeah.
1: I already deleted that recording because, like, nobody needs to hear us just being like. And another thing,
0: I don't think that honestly, like, I don't think the content was that negative, but I think our delivery was just like no, we were we were, we were exhausted, and everyone,
1: <laughs> and we were just trying to force it. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, but this one was fun. I liked it. I think that our next episode should be like a deep dive episode on a subject, and you know we we are past conference season, although. Next week, I am leaving for Australia for one more conference, the last one of the year for me. Um, I'll be trying to record some content uh, while I'm there, but we'll see how much because it's, again, it's a lot of work. Um, but Lola and I will be back with uh, with more episodes too. We'll do a deep dive on something. If you ever have a, an idea or a suggestion, something you would like us to cover on the podcast, again, you can contact us, uh, email me at ryanpba at gmail.com or shoot me a message if you're one of my, my Patreon followers. And uh, thanks for listening.
0: Do you think in Australia the bevels face the opposite direction?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh anything you want to say?
0: Um, no. No, there's not. I'm sorry that I'm I'm not um as readily available and reachable as Ryan is. But if you really need to get to me, you can you can go through him, I guess.
1: Thanks. Okay. Well, uh, we'll be back with more stuff soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.